mention the album. Talk about the album a little bit. The new album? Yeah. <laughs> so the new album I've been working on for almost two years now because the pandemic kind of stopped. I, I couldn't go places and get my friends that helped me out with doing stuff and help me. I bounce things off of and do stuff. And I wanted to do something completely different. So most of the stuff that I've written, like Journey to the Pilgrim started out with a line. Um, uh, what do I have to be started out with a line. It started out with very slowly, I feel you rise. And then I, and usually that's what happens. I'll write something down. Not always. Sometimes it's the music. Sometimes it's the, you know, sometimes it's the lyric. It just depends. Every writer will tell you that. It's something, I wake up in the middle of the night and thinking, oh, and I have this thing running through my head and I have to write it down. And then when I do, I'll come back to it later. And I got a whole book of stuff that I just write. Yeah, yeah I'm the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's why you'll see in my notes, there's like half things started because I'm like, because, right. this is the lyrics to something I just haven't quite and you figured haven't out finished quite it yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this album, I wanted to do something different. And I, I read this story about David Bowie doing the Heroes album in Berlin. And the song Heroes, and I learned a lot about this song. There's like eight guitar parts in this song, and I didn't know that. And I'm going back and listening. I'm like, now I can hear all of these guitars. And he was in Berlin, and he didn't have lyrics to it. And then uh, something happened that inspired him. They had all the music, and then he wrote the lyrics. And he said, you know, let the music inform the thing. And he knew the song was going to be called Heroes, but he didn't know that stuff. So I'm, I'm an avid reader, and being dyslexic, that sounds crazy, but I am. I've always been an avid reader. I was called, you know, they, well, you're slow, you know, when I was a kid. And then I had a teacher in high school in my junior year. Her name was Mildred Harvey. She was absolutely one of the most great, greatest teachers ever. Um, in my teaching career, if I could have been half the teacher that she was, I would have been, been a success. She was very hardcore, but she was very a wonderful lady. Mm-hmm. And one day, and I hated reading in class, obviously. And one day she said, Mr. Dean, can you stay after? We had a rotating schedule. Like, can you stay after? The kids are like, oh, you're in trouble. Not at all. She was just, she had this, and this this is the 70s. Nobody knew about dyslexia. This not was yet. not a thing. Mm-hmm. And, but she knew, and she had gel material. And gel material, when you put different colors on stuff, it's like, um, it can help you. And she took, put this gel over. She says, read something. And I'm struggling through it. Because in my dyslexia, it drops out all the little words. And um, I had a student. His was really bad. Turned everything around. Put numbers in places. Letters. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, but now I've learned to adapt to that. So she um, put this stuff in. And she finally, she put this color. And it was very, like, a rose tint color. And all of a sudden, I did like this. And you can see everything. Yeah. And she said, did it change? And I went, yes, ma'am. And she goes. I think you have a thing called dyslexia. I didn't tell my parents till I was 30 because I thought, oh, you've got this thing, you know, and um, that's the stigma. That's the stigma. And I didn't do that. And so but I think that's part of it is that, you know, you do stuff. So I, I'm an avid reader. I got the sidetracked. So I'm an avid reader. And I've read all kinds of books. And I thought, you know, I want to write an album about these books. Um, there's a song by Sting called Moon Over Bourbon Street, and it's written about Interview with a Vampire. But there's another band called Concrete Blonde which did a song called Bloodletting, which is also about Interview with a Vampire. That book affected a lot of people. It affected me, too, but I didn't write a song about it. <laughs> but um, so I have all these books that I've read, and I thought, well, you know, I need to do this. And I had started writing lyrics for a, a James Kirkwood novel called Good Times, Bad Times that I wrote years ago. Well, I finished that one. Uh, there's a book called Captain Nemo. Yes, that Captain Nemo. <laughs> um, but it's an ex- exploration of his childhood and how he now, became Captain just, Nemo. Just to be clear, yeah. because you're referencing books yeah. at a time that I know. people don't read I anymore. Know. And people should, because there is this joy that you get from holding the book in your hand. Yes. I know there's audiobooks you can listen to. Yes, no, I, I need a book. book. I need a book. Paperback. I need, I need to turn all, a page. I need to be able to dog ear it. 
I've got to, so there's Sometimes a, take notes if I want to remember something. Uh -huh. There's a, there's a, uh, a, a, one of the songs is called The Question Was, and it is a, it is an 80s club dance song. It's the one that's on the video that I played for y'all. Okay. The one that's on Instagram. And um, that song is the start Speaking of Instagram, since you mentioned they were, where can people find you on Instagram? Jay's Tribe. Jay's Tribe. Look up Jay's Tribe. Yeah. Um, and uh, this song is, it's an 80s dance song, but all of the lyrics are quotes from Shakespeare. Oh. And I took all of the Shakespearean quotes and I made them into that's a awesome. story. Yeah. Oh, and that's and that's but I'm, cool. I'm using mm -hmm. a vocoder on the voice, so it doesn't even sound like it sounds like an 80s club song is what it sounds like. And it's going to be booming. It's great. And then there's uh, the Captain Nemo song, which is a song called Tell Me a Story, um, because the story of Captain Nemo is about Jules Verne and Jock Nemo being childhood friends. And Jock goes off and Jules can't. And when Jock comes back, he tells him all of his stories and Jules writes them down and becomes very successful. with it. Mm. And then, of course, you find out what made him Captain Nemo of the Nautilus and it's it's a it's a tragic tale. Um Good Times, Bad Times. Uh there's a book by Marion Zimmer Bradley called The Catch Trap, which I've read seven or eight times. It's one of my favorite stories and I wrote a song about that called Tell uh, Something Real. Um there's a song called uh, the one I'm gonna play for you guys is called Borrowed Time and it's inspired by Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land science fiction novel, one of the biggest science fiction novels. And it's funny that I took where borrowed time comes in because there's so many things in that story. Um, and then there's the Shakespeare song, and then what's the other one? Oh, there's this great short story called The Language of the Sea, which inspired a song called uh, One Good Heart. And so all of those are inspired. And then the very last song on the album, and I've just written the liner notes that are going to go with it, is a song called Memories Flow, Memory Possessive S. It is complete total self-indulgence. I have used all the <laughs> titles I could come up with from the 80s <laughs> to form into lyrics, and it's got this funky kind of, it's not funky. It's a weird, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but I'm putting it on there. It's the last song on the album, and it's just like, eh, just go with it. You know, just do it. I'm not <laughs> explaining it. It's not about a book, but it's about the 80s. And the other thing about the album is I wanted to make every single song sound like it came from the 80s mm. as much as possible, with still that's my good. kind of flair. Yeah. So, like, the Shakespeare song is a dance song, and there's one that sounds like somebody said it's a cross between Stevie Wonder's 80s stuff and Stand Out Ballet. Some I, good dance I'll music. Take that. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be and it's using electronic drum set uh -huh. and all that kind of stuff. And then something real is this very kind of Roxy music, esoteric kind of thing. Brian Ferry, um, Duran Duran-ish kind of thing, hmm. like The Chauffeur, Save the Prayer, Seventh Tiger. I mean, you know, I love Duran Duran and Howard Jones and all those 80s guys. Grace, Grace Jones, guys, Grace Jones. Uh, Trevor Horn, who was a, a massive producer, his band, The Buggles, did videos with the radio star. But he also produced Grace Jones and Frankie Goes to Hollywood and. Yes, his 90125 album that had Owner of a Lonely Heart. He's one of the greatest producers ever. He produced all of Seal's albums. I'm a huge Seal Ooh, fan. Seal. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. He did the first one with Crazy and Killer and uh, Paradise. Uh, just great, great stuff. And, um, you know, so all that stuff that I listened to. And again, influence. these are all like artists that today's generation is just. Uh, I have no idea. Really but you know what? But look, when Stranger Things comes out and they put Kate Bush on there, and they do running up the hill, and all of a sudden, a whole new generation, generation opens up to discovers it. Kate mm -hmm. Bush, and I'm so happy because I've been a Kate Bush fan since the early '80s. <laughs> the first time I ever heard "The Man with the Child in His Eyes," I was like, "Oh, this is beautiful." And then, where did this song come from? Where did this come from? That's like now with my daughter, like because she because she watches Stranger Things uh -huh. and like Cobra Kai, and you hear who is that? Cobra yeah, they're playing all that song. They're playing all those songs on there now, and she's but, listening to them. I'm like, what? Uh huh. But you oh, know why? Like, oh, we can both jam to this? Let's but, go. But you know why they're doing it? It's because today's music doesn't have, have that. that. Have yeah. that. Have yeah. that. Right. And once you get past the 80s, not that there weren't some good bands in the 90s, uh, 
Um, it's, it was different because the nineties turned, the turned into more pop, and you started yeah. with like the boy bands and yeah. you know, the girl groups and that yeah. kind of thing. And it wasn't as, the same. And then as we transitioned into the two thousands, that kind of died out. It, yeah, no more and bands. Then, no no more bands. bands. No it was bands. always and everybody was, was going solo. Everyone solo for themselves. And see, and I don't want to. I want to. I mean, yes, I'm a. I like Billy Joel and Elton John, but I want a band. I want a band to be my band. Right. Right. And it's like, um, I mean, right now I'm doing everything, but I have friends that are musicians and I get them that are you know, musicians in their field, drummers, bass players, whatever. And I get them to listen to it and they'll tell me if it sounds right or wrong. Sometimes they go, why don't you just let me play that? I'm like, okay, plug in, go ahead. You know, more, I'm more than happy. Um, my friend Charlie was here yesterday and he was putting guitar tracks down for a couple of weeks. He's still going to work on some stuff, but, um, I only have guitar on two songs. The rest of it's all like synthesizer piano. It is piano centric, but not all of them. How are. many songs are on the album? Uh, this one, well, so, so my first album had four songs on it because it was an EP. Okay. And I did four very different songs. The okay. One song was a, a bass-driven kind of Billy Joel-esque song. Mm-hmm. One was What Do I Have to Be that I mm-hmm. did earlier. The other one was one called Time and Home, which is a Celtic rock song. It's in 6-8 time and because I love, I'm Scottish and I love all that. And then the third one is the title track, The Sky is Clear, which is a an English music hall song. So four different types, because I wanted people to know that every time they get my album, it's going to be, be different. So the next album, I did 11 songs. I got hung up on this 11 thing. So I did three albums with 11 stuff, 11, 11 songs on it. The fifth album, I've only got eight songs. So this is your fifth album. This is my fifth album. And, okay. and there's only eight songs because I've been working on this for two years. I'm hoping, don't hold me to this, but I'm hoping it'll be out by the end of September. Uh, I've still got to get it mixed and everything and then get it mastered, but um, most of the things are done. All the vocals are done, except for the last song. Do the rap thing. You may have to come back. Um, and yeah, I'm with it. Okay. Where's I mean, it bars? might be cool to mix it up. It might be kind of fun. So, so yeah, I mean, and I would love to do that. And the other thing that I really want to do is I want to promote other artists. I've always wanted to do that. I think that's the one, like, out of all the things that I do, the one thing that people don't really know about me is that I do music. I'm yeah, good. nobody. I didn't know. How long have you known her? Long, long enough, and you didn't. Last year, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a secret you don't need to keep. That's the secret I do keep. But you don't need to keep. <laughs> that's the one I do I'm going to get you on a record. You're gonna that's the one I do keep. And I might have to write something for you. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we do a, you, you write lyrics. Give me lyrics. Let me put some stuff down, and we'll okay. do a thing. Because, I'm um, listen, I. Put some music behind uh, you. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, so I grew up Soundtrack. with. I grew up with Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. and Dionne Warwick and Gladys Knight. Um, last night has one of the best, and I love Rita, don't get me wrong, okay? Nobody like her. And I can sing in two languages. Oh, even better. Double. There you go. <laughs> what, what, I, what I have the habit of doing is I'll, like, I do, I don't freestyle rap, I freestyle sing. So, like, what I'll have the habit okay. of doing is, like, um, I'll take a song in English and I'll remix it in Spanish and give it a whole new Spanish vibe. So, you, you really, you would kind of like a beat to start with. Mm-hmm. And then we put something else to it. Okay. Oh, Selena Kempsonito. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> well, totally I mean, I grew up listening to Selena. Selena, I yeah, I love Selena. Oh my like, god. In the nineties, I was yes. always listening to Selena because that's that's what I grew up on. Well, you know, I mean, there's another artist named Mind Abitu. But, but I started in the church. Well, yeah. a lot of people did. That's why. Um, there's another artist named Mind Abitu that I, I actually it. produced his stuff, and um, he he's not really a musician, but he puts all this stuff together, and it's really cool. I did a lot of off Broadway in New York. Girl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you ain't sitting up here telling okay. me all this. I actually even auditioned for Grease on Broadway when I was like 15 one time. 
Okay, so I need, yeah, Greece, the show about high school that no high school. <laughs> okay. um, I just saw, I was in London in June. I just wanted to be a pink lady at I was, the time. Yeah, I was in London in June and I saw the revival of it and it was, it was, I mean, it was Greece, but it was good. It was pretty cool. And, I love musical uh, theater. It was great. Well, I tell you what, if you get a chance to go to New York and see Back to the Future, um, I saw it in oh, London. Oh, yeah, after you mentioned it, I actually saw it on the news oh, and I was like, gosh. oh my God, I need to go. I did not know that I needed a Back to the Future musical in my life and when I saw it and the car. The car. I saw the car. The, the car comes whipping out of the, the darkness at the very beginning, and then at the end, of course, you know the fire's there, the trails are there on the on the stage when it takes so off. I have to plan and, the next trip to New York to do that. And then it oh, and we were sitting in the seventh row, yes. my buddy Ted and I, and at the end the car comes up and the wheels come under and it comes out over the audience and literally wow. turns upside down. And I am sitting not. Oh, hope this, this car don't fall. <laughs> and we were waving at Doc and Marty and they're waving back to all of us right there. And it was so. Crazy. That's cool. But that's cool that they did this. Oh man. I mean, the storylines changed a little bit because they had to modify the stage, but it doesn't lose anything. And the songs are so much fun. The song in the bedroom is one of my favorites because she's, when he's, when he's been hit by dad, you know, and he's in the bed and he's like, where am I? And, and she's like, on my hope, Jazz. And then she sings this song, and these three girls come out of the window as her backup group. It is so cute. Um, it's funny. That, but yeah. That but, reminds yeah. me to the back of one of my favorite um, musicals that I would love to see live if I ever get the chance is Little Shop of Horrors. I saw it in the 80s. I would the original love to cast. see yeah. Little Shop of Horrors it's live. Yeah. Well, they just did it at Orange Park. They should have gone there. I don't know. Yeah, well, talk to your friend. She'll tell you. She's on the board. Well, like I said, no, like no one knows I'm into like. They're gonna know now. <laughs> no, okay. I'm I'm into, like every now and then I'll ask her. And I'm like, do you guys need help with anything? And I like yeah. I went with them one year to ITS or whatever. So I'm like, I just kind of randomly, but I'm never like. Well, you should go this year. I couldn't go last year because we have the fall festival that time right, too. So. Right. Well, but yeah, yeah, for sure. So so back to your original. There's eight songs on this album, and they're all inspired by '80s music and that I've read, except for the title track, and the name of the album is Electric Reading Room. I wanted to do Electric because mm-hmm. that was the 80s, and it's all about books, and um, the first song, which is the title track, is an instrumental piece, and uh, finally came to its fruition and its completedness in this version. And I've already released that. That single's out, and um, I, it's been getting great reviews, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it's got me more followers right. and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's a lot Are you thinking that the album wasn't release will encourage people to maybe go read the book? I really hope so. I put, so I, in the liner notes, I put in there about dyslexia and I put in there avid reader and stuff like that because I'm like, I love reading. And there's something about actually reading stuff, which, you know, which is like one of the books that's in this thing I would love for somebody to make a movie out of, but I know they're going to screw it up <laughs> because they're not going to do it right. And like, it's don't like, they always? They, well, not always. Sometimes they get it right. But most of the time they try, you know, you get a director. It's like, well, I have, a, it's like Stanley Kubrick doing The Shining. I don't know what movie that was, but that was not the book that I read, you know? And I'm like, okay, there's that, a couple of things. I'm like, that actually just happened to me with, um, I was reading the Maze Runner series. Just, oh, yeah. And I was yeah. not, not because they were good books to read, but I wanted to watch the movie and I wanted to be able to compare it. Cause I like to, mm-hmm. I like to see the differences. Right. And the first one was pretty similar, but as they got to the second and third one, they were so far from they the book. So far. Well, the same thing with uh, Hunger Games. I mean, I read all the books, and then I saw the movie, and I'm going, mm, not the same. It's not exactly the same. That's you're, how they did the Twilight. The yeah. Twilight. Well, I'll tell you, my, my favorite story about a book that they didn't, it, the way that they did it, when Jurassic Park came out, I had read the book, and my roommate at the time had not, and we went to see the movie, and the movie's great. I mean, it's great. Spielberg got his dinosaurs and all that. But when you read the book, 
the book has, first of all, it starts off on this little island and there's this little girl that gets attacked by these little small dinosaurs. Well, that's at the beginning of the second movie. Then when you get into the book, um, it's all about chaos theory and Malcolm's, Ian Malcolm's thing about chaos theory. And there's a part in the book where they, it, the book takes place over three days. The movie takes place over one night. So they shortened everything. Mm. So the part where the, they go through the aviary where the pterodactyls are, but you don't see that till the third mm-hmm. movie. Mm. Yeah, see, so they kept mm-hmm. extending it. So the third movie is actually the best because there's no book, you know, because you don't have to have yeah, right. <laughs> The second movie, the second book, there was a, a creature in that that even the raptors wouldn't come to this camp. And they were wondering why. And there were these dinosaurs that could camouflage themselves. Well, you don't see that till Jurassic World because they finally did that. And it's like, okay, why don't you just go make the real, the original? But the original movie's fine. I mean, it's it's missing stuff, but it's still the feeling of it. It's like Ready Player One. They mm. totally screwed that up. Because, I didn't read that book. Oh, my gosh. If you like 80s stuff, it is so good. And Ready Player Two, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to read this and see. Ready Player Two might be better than Ready Player One. But it's a it's I, the I did, to it's be honest, direction. I didn't even know there were books. I just thought oh, they were yeah. movies. No, you should read the book. The I love book finding out so that good. a movie was a book. I'm like, oh, my God, let me yeah. go read that book. Well, you know, it's funny because back in the 80s, I went to see Dune in uh, 1984, David Lynch's Dune. And I saw it. And I was like, oh, I was blown away by it. It was great. Then I read the book. And I'm going, well, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> because I read the book. And at the end of the movie, it rained on Arrakis. And that didn't happen until the fourth book. Ugh. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And that come to find out that was a studio thing. And it's like, oh, man, don't mess it up. Like, don't do that to do the thing. So the new version is actually better. They're staying truer to the, uh-huh. to the story. But, I mean, when a book reads like a movie, why do you need to mess it up? You know? And um, so, like, the album I was telling you about this, my second album, Better Late Than Never, my friend Ted says, you know, this could be a musical. And I'm like, about what? And he goes, about your life. He says, everything is in this. Mm. And I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> I haven't done it, but I mean, yeah. I said, okay, take it and write a story. I don't yeah, know, whatever. Write a book. He goes, well, you need to tell me some more stuff. I said, Ted, we've known each other for years. Right. You know, Wait, what do you want me to tell yeah, you? Yeah, what do you want me to tell you? Um, you know, so I mean, okay, if it works, that's great. And if it, you know, but I mean, I wrote a musical. Well, make sure you yeah. let us know about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but you're gonna come over and we're gonna do some stuff. Absolutely. Even if we just do a single, we're gonna do something. You need to give me some lyrics. Give me the English version, and then we'll. Okay. <laughs> No, no, because I want the English version so I know what it's about. Right. You know, she's great to have her translate. Exactly. But I want to know what it's about. What she said. We go somewhere and somebody's standing, and I'm like, what? There's a there's a song by Duran Duran called Breath After Breath, and they've got this Portuguese artist from from Brazil, or it's got this Brazilian artist who speaks Portuguese. I I took it some of the kids and I said, hey, what are they saying? And they were, oh, he's just repeating what he just said, but in Portuguese. And I was like, oh, Mm. okay. I didn't know. But it's a cool song, you know, and just like that. But yeah, I mean, she's great to have for the translating thing. But if you put it in English, then I know what it's about. That'll help me do a thing. I can do that. Yeah, but you want something danceable and. Uh, Not necessarily. I do more um, ballads. Yeah, I'm more of a ballad kind of. Well, I am you too, know, but I I've, a, I've written a dance song now, so you know. Yeah, you might need to switch I've been it up. Told I have like a seven octave range. Really? Yes. I'm a, I'm a, okay. Okay, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do something. If nothing else, um, we'll I do like this. I like to live in the mezzo soprano alto world. That's easy. I'm we'll, alto. We yeah. will share. That's easy for me, but I can do soprano. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually a soprano. We will share the writing credit. That way, both of us get the mechanical part. I'll be the publisher. And you be the performer, and that way we split those three things. And because there's a way to do that, and I can distribute it through my distributor, 
and we can split it 50 50 okay. and all that oh, and so, I like how this is sounding. so <laughs> we could do a song and, and then we see how good it does how it goes and, and then it go. does its thing and it's fine um and then i'll be down as producer and somebody else go hey produce this for me and that's always leading to another thing you know so we can definitely get that done i'm down yeah. um i've been interested for a long time like but like i said my brother's my brother well so. okay but, well, <laughs> But listen, and I understand that too, because when I was a kid, you know, I, I wanted to be a rock star. Now, if I would have run off and joined the circus like I wanted to, mm -hmm. I would have probably been a member of the 27 Club. I know. I would have been, I would have partied hardier than, harder than Freddie Mercury. Um, but, you know, y'all know what the 27 Club is, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what the 27 nope. Club is? Um, Jimmy Hendrix. But I know who Freddie Mercury is. There you go. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Mama Cass, Kurt Cobain, oh. Amy Winehouse, oh, all okay. of them died when they were 27. 27. And yes. most of the time it was an overdose or self-inflicted or something like that. And Freddie didn't die when he was 27, but Freddie partied hardy. And it's like, you know, all of them did. And I know that if I would have run away and joined the circus, I, I say that, but become a rock star. And I didn't really have the experience to do it. Now I do. I have experience to write things and I can do that. And I probably would have been a member of that club because I probably would have lasted. But um, I always wanted to do it. And, and you get people in your life that they're, they're kind of, this might be gaslighting. This might go back to oh, okay. our original back to thing. <laughs> this might go back to the beginning, full circle. What about, you know, when people tell you, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a musician. I'm going to be a rock star. Oh, really? You think you're good enough to do right. that? Yes. Is right. Is that gaslighting? Mm -hmm. Or, um, well, no, you can't make any money at that. That's not a good job. People do. And you get people in your life that do that. Mm -hmm. And even people that they're, they're, their intentions are good. But what they say the is words, really bad. Right. <laughs> and of course, they don't realize. And okay, this goes back to your question. Do you think they knew they were doing it? Sometimes, no. I think sometimes they're they're doing something and they're they're genuinely concerned about you. But at the same time, they're doing something that's going to register with you that it stays. Right. And then you so don't pursue something. I mean, I'm still writing songs, but I don't pursue anything. Right. Right, because that's what I'm still doing. I'm still writing. Well, so you um, can, I got a wedding but for it you just kind of. And I made money playing weddings. And I made money kinda, playing like, that's, bars, And that's why, but, like, that's why I used to, um, when I first moved to Jacksonville, I went and I sought out, like, a a guitarist. And we were going to, like, start our little, own, yeah. you know, Tracy Chapman songs and things like that. Because my thing was, like, you know, I, I don't need to be Beyonce. I don't want to be a Beyonce. I don't want to be a superstar. But if I, I can, be me. But if I can just, you know, you know sing like, a couple songs in I lounges. Like, I like Destiny's Child. I did also. If I can do, um, you know, a couple lounges and things like that, I don't know who that is. <gasps> Get Here? You don't know the song Get Here? I don't think so. Girl, you got to go look that. So Alita Adams, uh, she's from Chicago? Chicago or Detroit? Uh, beautiful, beautiful voice. And she did this song called Get Here. But before she did that, Tears for Fears, another of my favorite bands, I got to see them last year live. Oh, my God, it was great. Um, Alita Adams, she was in this in this club that they went to see and they were looking for this sound and they're like, Oh, we want to do that. So they go back to the studio and they're trying to do this. And she's a piano player too. And they can't get that sound. They can't figure out what they're doing. And one of them says, well, why don't we just go ask her? Cause she was the one, right? Mm -hmm. So they go back and she's like, yeah, sure. She's singing in clubs and doing stuff. So they do. Um, it was the song, the album, um, sowing the seeds of love. It was that album. Uh, and the song, there's two songs. Well, she's on a bunch of the songs, but Woman in Chains, if you haven't heard, oh my gosh, her voice, she's absolutely gorgeous voice, Woman in Chains and Badman's song. And she plays, I think she plays the piano on Badman's song. Um, but she is amazing. 
And then she, because of that, she went and did her first album and the song Get Here. And it's um, it's a beautiful ballad. It's gorgeous. She has a very, she has a deeper resonant mm. voice, very Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight kind of thing, but with her own kind of layer. And, um, and operatic like Pat Benatar. It's got Ooh. that to it. Yeah, it's got all of that in it. She's amazing. You should definitely check her out. Um, she's fantastic. And, but yeah, that's the kind of, you know, I love stuff like that. I mean, I like everything. I really do like everything, as you can tell, because <laughs> everything I've talked about, but I really do. And it's because I don't think you should be limited. I don't either. Change yeah. the radio station. Every yeah. time. Every time. So you can get you different know? experiences. I keep my, uh, between 99.5 and 96.1. I love because they play a variety. Yeah, I, I, 80, I used to 70, in, yeah, 60, I used to listen to the classic rock station, but they only have a hundred CDs and they're all greatest hits. And it's like they keep playing them over <laughs> the and over again. Same, same ones. Ones. Like during Christmas, they all play the same Christmas oh, songs. Yeah. That's it. A same seven times. songs. Yeah. Like, oh, if I hear Grandma got run over. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Grandma just, will get run over. You get her run over. <laughs> but you know what? And they never play Christmas at Ground Zero by Weird Al, and they never play the Night Santa. They always Crazy. play Mariah Carey. Oh my God. That one they always play. They play always. that one. Always. They always do the jokes about Mariah Carey and fall out for Christmas right. or something. Right. Like, oh, they you gonna get ready? Yeah. Did you ever see? Right. Christmas in July. Right. I, I went to I went to the at home store and they've already got this whole display of Halloween crap and then I walked around the corner there's another shelf of Christmas crap oh, party. I'm like, it was yeah. July I'm going right, right yes. it's crazy um have did y'all see have y'all ever seen the movie Don't Mess with the Zohar yes okay Mariah Carey in that yes. thank you little man <laughs> <laughs> that is so Mariah Carey I know I'm like they probably said you don't have to act just right, be just yourself just be yourself just be yourself just oh my god! Like, she goes, I don't know. I have somebody that does it. Yeah. <laughs> that's her though. You act like, oh my god. I, mean, when you I have know, that right? much money though, that's probably true. Like yeah. I just have yeah. to do things like that. But, I, like, keep, I hired. I'm like too. even even me now. Like you know, not when we start having kids and they start. I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know. My daughter does that for do me. Yeah, right, right. Here. right. Well, you know, there's some people that do, and I, I actually know somebody who is a personal assistant to a very famous actor uh, actress, and I mean, it's a 24/7 job. But they pay you out the wazoo. Right, they'll do it. You know, but then, and they said, you know, I'll sign on for a year. Of course, the, the actor, actress is like, after a year, they're like, how do I keep you? Right. Especially if you're good. And if you're bad, then okay, bye. But you know, if you're good yeah. and you know how to do it, I mean, you're that person that when you see them on the red carpet, they're the person standing behind them going, okay, we have to go. Right. And we're doing, and they're doing this thing because this, this is this person. Yeah. Like, because as the artist, you'll stand and listen, the way we've been going and y'all hear me talk, you know, I need somebody to go, okay, we got to go now. Right. Right. <laughs> Now <laughs> really back in. Let's go. Okay, you smile. They took the figures. Okay, we're leaving now. We're going to the thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's the that's the thing. So. Um, what do you want to play for us on the new album? Um, this is a song called uh, Bard Time. Is this Bard Time? Yeah, Bard Time. And it's the one that's inspired by the novel Stranger in a Strange Land. So if you haven't read Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Heinlein wrote some. He wrote a bunch of stories. Uh, he wrote Starship Troopers that was made into a movie. Okay. Stranger hasn't been made into uh, a movie yet, but he worked that and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress and The Cat Who Walks Through Walls. He wrote so many different great things. Um, and Stranger in a Strange Land is about this guy named Valentine who was, he's human, but he was born on Mars. And he comes back and he's had the benefit of being schooled by the Martian elders or the, the, the old ones is okay. what they're called. And he's very strange. He can go underwater and hold his breath forever and and he has a very free view of sex because he doesn't understand he's never been around anybody. Right. They had a free view. And it's this, and he turns into this cult leader and then he vanishes. Um, oh. 
<laughs> it's a crazy story. Um, crazy, there's crazy. Like a lot of sex and there's a well, lot I have of. I to go read that. It What's is it called? Stranger in a Strange Land. Stranger in a strange yeah. land. Now, Heinlein puts a lot of his politics into his stories, especially with Starship Troopers, because it was a, satir- a satirical view of fascism and the military and stuff like that. And nobody got the movie. They all thought, oh, the movie's great. Yeah, right. the movie is satire about that very thing. Um, and it did okay. Um, but him, he came along the same time as uh, Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick wrote Minority Report and Paycheck. Oh, I did like Minority Report. The short story, the movie's even better because the short story's not, all that stuff's not there. Mm. It's very short. But he also wrote, and you probably don't know this title, he wrote Do Do um, Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. You don't know it as that. You know it as Blade Runner. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Blade Runner was based on that novel. Crazy novel. But it's the same story. It's the androids that are sentient. And there's this great line at the end of the film that Rutger Howard does. It's totally ad-libbed. And he's like, you know, all of these memories will be tears in the rain. And he died. And it's like, so, yeah, I love that. Philip K. Dick stuff is great. But Robert Heinlein puts a lot of politics stuff in there. So there's a lot of politics in Stranger in a Strange Land, especially in uh, Moon is a Harsh Mistress. is a lot of stuff. But they're great novels. I mean, they're just really great. So anyway, this um, this song is called Borrowed Time. And it's um, basically Valentine's ideas about you're living on borrowed time and you don't even know it. And during the course of the book, he asks questions all the time because he was born on Mars. This is a whole new thing for him, right? You know, they find him and he's asking questions and asking questions. And he had, he finds that there are some people he can trust and some people that just want to use him. And then there's some people that are actually trying to help him and to help him do stuff. And then of course he becomes this, this great thing. So, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of jazzy. This I'm like, is, I'm going to put that on the list to definitely read. This is this is the one that my right friend now said. I'm, right now I'm a, reading Misery. Oh, have you never read it before? No, first time. Did you see the movie? Um, when I was young, so it like, so went really over my remember? head, so okay. I really don't remember it. Um, it was, oh, that's a dark story. Yeah, so I'm reading the book. I, I'm maybe the first chapter in, and I'm just like, oh, my uh-huh. goodness. It gets worse. It gets worse. Like, have you read Have you read Pet Cemetery? No. That's another one. That's on my one list. of the scariest books. So I've that's ever my read. daughter's thing now, because um, yeah. I love to read. Yeah. So every birthday, Christmas, she buys me like a new Stephen King novel because nice. I love Stephen King books. Yeah. So she's just on this thing of like, so now I have more books that I can actually read because I'm trying to catch up. First mm-hmm. A plus I ever got on a book report was for the stand. Oh really? And it was Miss Harvey, the lady I told you before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, she handed back to me. I was read right in like, oh crap, and it had A plus, and she loved it. And the stand, and now the stand, you know. It's like it. It's so big, big. and I read it, and I loved it. I mean, it took me forever, but I read it, and um, it was just one of those great stories. And it's not as scary. Pet Cemetery, terrifying. Because my daughter's also a reader, so she just read. Well, not just read, but she also read it. Yeah. The thing about it, and and the new movies, I don't like because they took all the old stuff and put it in the first one, all the past stuff in the first one, and then that's not how it's supposed to read. You're supposed to have the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And the original TV series, the mini series that was on with Tim Curry as Pennywise, beat beat Mm. Richie. Oh, my God. Um, that was the one that scared yeah, me. Yeah, that was terrifying. But the thing is, is that the book, the movie and the book, it's great until you get to the end. And it's a giant spider with headlights. And you're right. Like, mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just, spoiler alert. Um, right. It's just, <laughs> sorry. Right. Uh, but it is. It's just one of those. And, it, and he said himself, he said, well, I didn't know where to go with that. But Pet Cemetery, terrifying. Absolutely Not terrifying. Fair. Yeah. Not Should I take fair. this over here? Yeah, that's my favorite scene in Pet Cemetery. The little boy uh-huh. sliding down the wall. It's not fair. Not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, okay. 
JV. Yay. <laughs> Okay, so this is the song that a friend of mine said is a family of Okay. I'm not sure, you know, who Spandau Ballet was, nope. right? The song True or Gold, you know. True, you know, so true, funny how it seems. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then you, you know who Stevie Wonder is. Of course. So, okay, so this Isn't is. Isn't she fun? Yes, yes. Okay, all right, ready? Let's go. Thank you. 
Should we regain more reward? Can we regain more reward? One of those questions that Valentine asks and stuff that he says during the course of the thing and, and it's a weird story. Hyman was doing some serious drugs. Um <laughs> you know, I mean it, it I'm like, how did you get this? And like when I read Moon is a Harsh Mistress, I read The Cat Who Walks Through Walls first, and it's actually the sequel to that one. So when I was disappointed because there was only a cat once, but he didn't walk through any walls, and I'm just like, <laughs> it was misleading. But you know, so yeah, but um what are what are your hopes um with this new album um i don't know i i when i first started doing this um i just put stuff out there and if people listen to it i like i don't like to push stuff because i i i used to love discovering music when i was a kid um Yamura said i like backstabbers by the right. the temptation or the spinners temptation we'll figure spinners. out which one it was one of those two anyway um it'd be funny if it wasn't either one um, <laughs> it's like we can look that up it was uh you know, but I mean, it's like, I'm what was it called? Uh, Backstabbers. When I heard that, I was like, what is this? Because it's such a mm-hmm. cool song. Well, then mm-hmm. I listened to the lyrics. I'm like, this is a terrible song. <laughs> you know, this is about somebody, somebody, there's these people hanging around and they're hanging out with your girl in the there. The OJs. The o- see, I was wrong all the way around. The, the OJs. OJs. Okay. So did the temptation. Oh, yes. Um, they smile in, in your face. face. All the time, they yes. want to take your place. They're I didn't know. Okay. Yes. I didn't, oh, a great song. I didn't know. I didn't yes. either. I thought it was called something else. Yeah, no, me too. But then they, they smile in your face. They smile <laughs> in your face. But they do, and they they smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place to the backstabbers, and they're always hanging around and all that. And you're like, I'm like, this is a terrible song. <laughs> rubber Band Man is really funny, and that might be the spinners. I think. Look that one. Look up Rubber Band Man. Um, rubber Band Man is hilarious. Not by T.I. Not by T.I. <laughs> he's, he's telling this story about going, they're going out to the club. We're getting all dressed up. We're going out. Right. And you hadn't seen anything until you've seen the Rubber Man Man. And he puts these rubber That's bands. That's the suspenders. He puts these rubber bands between his toes and then he pulls it up all the way to his nose and he's oh. playing the rubber band like a bass. Oh. And he's telling this story. And I think it was based on a real story. And I'm like, where did you see this? You know, but it's such a great song. Uh-huh. Hey, y'all, prepare yourself for the rubber band. Man, never you've never it. seen a sight like the rubber band starts to jam. It's so great. Mm-hmm. It's all that wonderful R&B from the 70s that was just so good. Such a different time. Such a different time. And it's like, you know what? I think that some of the artists today, especially some of the hip-hop artists, they need to go back and listen to some of this R&B uh, stuff because there was some good uh, stuff. You know, I remember um, growing up, like, listening to music and, like, we would listen to songs and my mom would be like, you think this is an original? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, where everybody gets that. Yeah, she's oh, like, yeah. she was like, this song yeah. I had 
was like, this song was made during my time, and uh -huh. you guys just redid it. Well, look at what they're doing on commercials. And now I tell that to my daughter. I'm like, you think this is your original song? Y'all <laughs> might not be old enough to remember, but there was a commercial that was about a, a cologne called Anjali. That was the name of the cologne. And the song they went is this woman, and she's going, I can bring home the bacon, fine out, and I'll fry it up for the pan, fine out, and, and never, never let you forget your man. Those are the original lyrics. And then she goes, because I'm a woman, and Anjali, and it's about this clone. Well, you know, you find yourself singing it because it's kind of catchy. Well, catchy. it was catchy the first time. So I did, I was music director for the musical called Smokey Joe's Cafe, and it's a, it's a celebration of the songs of Lieber and Stoller which you probably don't know who they are, but you know Hound Dog, mm -hmm. and you know Stand By Me, and you know Spanish Harlem, and mm -hmm. you know I'm a Woman, and you know, and The Boss, all mm -hmm. those songs they wrote. So this is just a, it's a box okay. musical. I never knew the whole song. So I'm playing the thing, and I'm like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. wait that's not the lyric, no, because it's about a cologne. Uh, but they use it, well, nowadays they're doing the same thing. They're using, you know, different songs that we grew up with and just in these commercials. Remaking them. And remaking them. Where's the creativity? Well, see, that's the problem is that people and, and this is the problem that record companies had that that movie studios have that you get something that sells like, oh, we need another one of those. No, you're missing the point. The reason that that sold was because it was original. it was new. Yeah. You know, when Alice Cooper first came out, he was terrible. I mean, Frank Zappa said, you're awful, but I'm going to sign you. And he did. And it wasn't until their third album, I think, that I'm 18 came out. And that's what. Oh, OK. But then when he went off by himself and did Welcome to My Nightmare, that changed everything. And that whole album and that show and all of that, that made a difference because it was original. Nobody had oh done God. that before. Screaming, Screaming Jay Hawkins. Do you know who Screaming Jay Hawkins yep. was? Well, if you look up him, he was this black artist um, who originally did I Put a Spell on You. You know, the mm -hmm. I Put a Spell mm -hmm. on You. But that's not the way it sounded. No. And when you find a picture of him, he... I, Somebody did this to him. He has this bone in his nose and this crazy outfit. And that's, that's what thing. I've seen. Yeah, and he's doing, I put a spell on you. And he's doing all this. I'm like, wow. Oh, there's a picture. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's him. But he does some. Well, then, luckily, thankfully, Nina Simone came along. That's where and, I know it from. Yeah, and then she redid it. And, of course, Nina, I actually know somebody who sang with Nina Simone. Oh, wow. Um, Deb McDuffie. She's an amazing person. She does uh, stuff at the Ritz Theater here in town, and she is absolutely fantastic. Right. Shout out to Deb McDuffie. Um, hey, Deb, is, call at the Homegirl Club. There you go. She is uh, amazing. And when she came, I was working somewhere, and she came. I don't came know in. why I move in. Like, I don't hear know me why. Now, but I do it every time. And she had this, she gave me a business card that had a picture of her and Janet Jackson in the studio. Mm. Shout she, out, Janet Jackson. Yeah, she sung with her. She we helped her. Of the uh -huh. She no nasty boys. That's oh, even that's before Jackson that. If nasty. Mr. Jackson. She sang <laughs> with Luther Vandross. She knew him. Mm -hmm. She she came when when she when I first met her. Instead of asking me what my music was like, she asked me who my influences were. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I mean, everybody from you know Elton and Billy and that and Stevie Wonder and she goes, oh Stevie, he's such a sweet man. And I went, what? You sound like you know him. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so then I started talking. Well, then I looked her up because you can look her up. She's the first female, uh, female period, but black female, but female uh, producer in the music business ever. Wow. Yeah. She has some cred. And uh -huh. now she works at the Ritz and she organizes Again, all these Deb, things. I'll yeah. at the Homegirl Club. The Ritz Theater, uh, please. Great stuff. I never get a chance to go. She puts out stuff and I'm like, I, I can't go. Um, but she does some great stuff. And she told me about Nina's mom. Well, Nina, I've always been a fan of Nina. And of course, uh -huh. Nina took, I put a spell on you and made it into the, the song that we know. 
But people forget the Screaming Jay Hawkins version. But he was doing stuff. But Alice Cooper came along and he did this vaudeville thing. In fact, Cooper was friends with Groucho Marx and Fred Astaire and Mae West. And they would come to his shows originally with the band. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is vaudeville. Okay, I get it. And it's, it was a joke. You know, the whole thing was. And when he did No More Mr. Nice Guy, it was because his father was a preacher. And mm. the people at the church were like, you know, your son's this devil. He's like, no, he's not. It's a show. You know, it's just a show. It's still a show. And, um, but it was something original. And I think what happens with the industry is that they see something that works and they want to just copy. They just want to copy and paste. So copy like you paste. said, you don't want to be Beyonce, but Beyonce with Destiny's Child was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TLC, another, uh, oh, Waterfalls, yes. what a great song that is. Yeah. Um, that whole album was addressing mm-hmm. really serious mm-hmm. stuff, which is like Stevie Wonder on Songs in the Key of Life. He's addressing some really stuff like higher ground and mm-hmm. you haven't learned, you haven't earned it. He, he you know, that's the kind of stuff that I like. I like stuff that tells a story that's that. And I think that when Beyonce went out on her own, sorry, Beyonce, I think when she went out on her own, she kind of lost. She kind of lost the messaging. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, when Destiny Child was as a group, as a whole, there was yeah. something there to be said. Oh, yeah. yeah. In Vogue. And oh, in Vogue? oh my God. Yeah. Love it. I actually got to see them live last year. Song about racism? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one and yeah. Donna's not in the group anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They replaced her. You know, the girl from, she was on Jamie Foxx. Yes. They go, uh, they replaced her yeah, with. So she, went there. Yeah. I also got to see Salt and Pepper. Yeah. They were I love Salt and Pepper. Yeah. They were, it was, I love it. See, it was actually New Kids on the Block, Salt <laughs> and Pepper, in Vogue. Oh, wow. Um, That's a good one. It was a great concert. It was a great concert. I mean, you know, the thing about the 80s that was so great, um, because there are some people. Yeah, that, I want to say his name is Richard Wattley, but I don't think that's it. But the, the thing about the 80s that was so great was was that there was because of the advent of synthesizers. Because now we have this thing that can make all of these noises mm-hmm. that we never had before, and people were experimenting with it. And like when you when you hear stories about, um, you remember Human League and fascination. Keep feeling fascination. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. The programming of the drum machine took them forever mm. because if you messed up, you had to go back and you mm. couldn't do it like I do stuff now and just take out part of it. You had to redo the whole thing. And it took them forever to program the drum stuff, you know. And well, you know, yes, you do. Don't you want me, baby? Oh, yes. That's humanly. Uh, and then, of course, the song Human. But. I, that song reminds me of the, Ori- the chocolate chip commercials. Don't you want, oh, yeah, because somebody used it in <laughs> yeah, a commercial, yeah. Commercial. yeah. Exactly. But when they were doing stuff, they were innovating. And you get people like Howard Jones and Thomas Dolby and, and even Stevie Wonder. I mean, they were taking stuff, taking these new instruments and finding these noises and, and doing stuff that nobody had done. I mean, Thomas Dolby built his own stuff. And he still does. He In fact, he tours um, universities and does this whole thing about digital music. And he has old World War II rheostat stuff that he has made MIDI instruments that he can control sounds and stuff with these giant knobs and mm. things. And then he has all of his keyboards. That's technical stuff. Oh, yeah, he's crazy. And then Howard Jones, all this synthesizer stuff, but everything Howard Jones did started off on piano. He did a great tour called the America Acoustic America Tour. And it was him and a percussionist at a grand piano. And I've got a recording of it. It's wonderful. And he's doing all these songs that you know. Like that song, sound, the song I just played for you guys, that sounds very different on the album because it's got a lot of, 80 stuff mm. in it and there's some synthesizer stuff going on this is so you're you're the exclusive and you get the acoustic version Ooh, fancy so don't let that go anywhere um but yeah i mean it's gonna end up on a bootleg somewhere um <laughs> but i mean you know these people were innovating they weren't they weren't trying to copy stuff that had been done they were trying to do something new but that was their reference material and 
they will tell you when you hear them talk about stuff, they're like, well, you know, we were messing around in the studio and came right. up with this thing. Now you think, oh no, they planned this out. No, they no, don't. Like when Nobody you go back plans and go back anything. And watch it and hear about it. They're like, no, we just stepped in the booth and this is what happened. This and is we what happened. It out and here yeah. it is. And here it is. And um, great story about uh, Whitney Houston's version of "I Will Always Love You." Clive Davis was the head of the record label at the time. David Foster, great producer, jerk of a man, but great producer. Sorry, David. Um, he he had done the recording with Whitney, and they had chosen Dolly's song, started it off a whole different way, and all that. And in fact, Dolly didn't know. She didn't know the publishing company had sold the rights, so given them the or mm-hmm. sold them the rights, so they could do a copy of it. So David Foster does this version of the song, and he gives it to Clive Davis, and it's a demo. David says this is a demo. And Clive's like, no, this is a finished product. They had a major fight mm-hmm. because Clive wanted to release that because he says it doesn't need anything else. And David's a perfectionist, so he wanted to. So it, the one he had was the one that got released. And and Dolly found out about it. She tells this thing. Uh, she did an interview with Dan Rather, and she talks about being in the car. Thanks for listening to part two of the Music Showcase featuring J.D. Also, look out for part three, the final episode. Make sure to tune in to part three of the Music Showcase featuring J.D. And as always, thanks for listening to the Homegirl Club. Club.